Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tom Watson, we are um, speaking in your office um, a week after election day and a yeah. much better result than you must have possibly hoped for. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, now, with the benefit of uh, four or five days of proper unbroken sleep, it feels better each day I wake up. But you're still in opposition, so why does it feel so good? Well, uh, you see, this whole election, it feels like something has changed, right? Firstly, there's a new spirit of optimism in my own party, which is obviously great, uh, given where we've been for the last 18 months. Uh, but secondly, you see, I think those issues that were debated in the election are being brought to the fore now. You, you know, Labour, for the first time in a long time, offered... I mean, Jeremy talked about a transformation of the country. What it is is an economic realignment, isn't it? The idea that natural resources can be socially owned was an idea that I think took root in the minds of people up and down the country. Uh, and so I think it gives us a terrific platform that we can build on when that next election comes from and the this spirit of enthusiasm and hope from all the young people that are involved in the party and felt that they had a stake in the outcome of the election is something that I think is is terrifically exciting and uh, yeah puts us near to government whenever that election comes you've been involved in many leadership campaigns uh, sorry many election campaigns rather and um, people always try to get the youth out especially labor they always hope they can get the young people to come out and vote for them how come Jeremy could do it in a way which other leaders seem not to be able to do? I think there's a lot of reasons on that. I think there's his own leadership qualities. Um, I mean, just the idea of resilience. Uh, you know, I mean, this is the most tested leader I've ever known. Um, uh, but the, but also, you know, let's be clear about it. We had, we had very clear, bold, transformational policy pledges that, that people were attracted to. So... It, you know, if you're a student, then obviously the idea of starting your working life without being saddled with debt was a big issue. But also the thing, you know, you know, it's not necessarily the central plank of the election, but I thought our arts policy was terrifically engaging. You know, there was a whole idea, you know, the stuff we wanted to do on the National Education Service to give sort of people decent educations and look at, you know, all sorts of things from how you teach creativity to how you structure access. I just think it gave people a sense that we can live in a different society, that things can be fairer. And you and the contrast that people made between, you know, a very weak Prime Minister and a manifesto that just offered, you know, utter misery for every citizen, carrying the can for, uh, you know, e- economic decisions made many years ago, uh, you know, people rejected that. I mean, so it feels like, you know, we got the chance to be heard at, second time in this election and that they rejected Theresa May's vision of uh, you know, whatever conservative society she believes in. I guess the, the big question for yourself and other people in the Labour Party is, were you wrong about Jeremy Corbyn? 
Um, you mean with the second leadership challenge? Yeah, or, I mean, and, and just yeah. the, the general feeling that Jeremy Corbyn couldn't, wouldn't be help, wouldn't deliver any good results in an election. Well, I think if you look at election punditry, the entire infrastructure of civic society was wrong on this election, weren't they? Pollsters, commentators, journalists, other politicians. You know, I mean, everyone thought that Theresa May were, was going to be uh, sort of almost crowned in this election, rather than to go out and. Uh, go go out and uh, be defeated, uh, and I think I think a combination of Jeremy's leadership resilience, of an exciting manifesto, her weakness, you know their manifesto was laced with hubris. Um, you, you know this sort of sense of entitlement that their campaign gave, whereas Jeremy, you know, incredibly humble in his campaign in the way he stopped to talk to the public, laid himself open and accessible. So, you know, I think that he has proved all his critics wrong. Does that include um, you, do you think? Well, I mean, you know, I've not, the only, I mean, I've not publicly criticised him. My, I voiced my concern last year when, uh, you know, we had the sort of, um, the sort of, the second challenge of the vote of no confidence. Uh, but for the PLP, that, the line was drawn under that in his second election. And, you know, what, what really pleased me about this campaign was more or less it was an entirely unified and focused campaign where he called the shots, it was his election, and we gave it him. And, um, uh, and the party gave it him, the MPs gave it him, Labour voters gave it him. And so I hope now that, and I'm pretty confident of it, that we'll, you know, it, with a new spirit of unity and joy in everyone's heart, we'll go out there and campaign for a more socially fair society. And, and you know, it's not just a noble cause, it's going to be fantastically enjoyable doing it. And bringing Owen Smith back into the Cabinet, is that a sign that um, the war is over almost? Well, I, I mean, you know, we drew a line under all of this stuff more or less last September, but I think it was an incredibly uh, noble uh, gesture from Jeremy to put the guy that ran against him for the leadership last year. And, of course, he's also immensely talented and able and has worked on that brief uh, uh, in government before. So I think he'll do a very good job. And, dare I say it, I was also incredibly pleased that Ian Lavery was rewarded with the chair's job that, of course, I used to do. But, I, I mean, he ran a fantastic campaign, Ian. Both him and uh, Andrew, from, you know, shenanigans in the spin room to... The way they just understood where our resources need to be targeted in the election, to way they sort of they formed a sort of the gearbox of the campaign. I just thought it was fantastic. So you weren't sad to lose a position as chair? Uh, no, actually, I was really pleased for Ian. I think he's done a great job, and uh, you know he was in my cabinet office team last year. So uh, you know they've got my full support, and um, you know I wish them all the best, and I work with them. Uh, whenever the next election comes. Obviously, you talked about the sort of joining the hearts of people now. There is a positive energy around Labour now. Yeah. You, you walk around the Commons, you can feel it. But is that sense of sort of triumphalism, is it kind of misplaced? Because you guys are still op in opposition. So, really, what are you celebrating? Exactly? Well, if you're a democratic socialist, but by definition, you're an optimist. You believe in a better society than the one you currently have. But, you know, I, I took great advantage of being reappointed as the DCMS Shadow Secretary of State last night by going to see a band. Right? I saw Hunter and the Bear, right? and I saw this audience. You know, a little chunk of them recognised me and, you know, came up and talked to me about the election. The sound man talked to me. Chris, the bass player, came off stage after the gig, talked about what the, what the next Labour government is going to do. And, you know, I patiently explained that we didn't win the election, but we, <laughs> we won the issues in the election. So it just seems to me... I mean, I've never known that in politics. Right. You know, so that spirit of hope that sort of, 
that's afoot in the country. I mean, if we can sort of consolidate that new alliance of support that Labour has and then rebuild trust or confidence from some of those traditional working class communities that clearly were attracted to the Tory Because Mansfield, Walsall, um, you've identified these as places where Labour didn't win and you have to look at that as well, don't you, as well as the positives. Yeah, Um, I I mean, you know, there is is a potential election winning alliance out there now and it it is too early to draw any hard conclusions because, you know, you've got to look at you've got to look at what the result means and where the votes actually come from rather than speculate. So this is a little bit of speculation until I've seen the figures, but it does seem to me that younger people voted in much larger numbers. And I'm not just talking about under 25s, I mean people under 45, under 50. voted. You are definitely still young, the 32-year-olds. Well, as a 50-year-old, I'm (laughs) trying to wedge myself into that demographic. I mean, probably not as successful as you can. But but it does seem to me that they voted in larger numbers and for Labour in larger numbers. And if we can keep that level of support, hope and optimism that we can change society, but also reassure, uh, you know, perhaps slightly older voters from working class communities that we're still on their side, that we're still the traditional party of Labour, that we do believe that, you know, know, their security in their homes and in their country is important, then I think we've got an election winning formula. Do you think it's the security issue maybe that needs to be tightened up a little bit? Well, I I think we need to see what the, uh, you know, we really do need to see what people say in in detail there, but it's just an impression I get from touring around the country, you know, I visited 50 constituencies around the country and you sort of pick up some of that on the doorstep or from other campaigners uh, but let's see what the data shows when we've anal- analysed it. After the last election you asked, I think it was Lord Kennedy to do, to look at why people were voting UKIP traditionally voted Labour in yeah. the past yeah. would you consider carrying out or instigating another kind of analysis inquiry this time? We'll have to do that uh, I don't know what form it'll take and it, you know, and of course it seems to be that um, we might not have time to do it if there is going to be an early election because there are signs that this sort of new Tory alliance might not hold uh, so you know, we've got to be quick on our feet and I don't, you know, there's no sort of hard and fast decisions made on that but, but certainly that UKIP vote um, see what, what 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 Roy Kennedy sort of went out there, and actually lots of other people who uh, looked at this was you know at the heart of some of this was economic insecurity, and that's why I think the Conservatives were taken aback when so many former 2015 UKIP voters expressed support for our manifesto and Jeremy, uh, because we were basically acknowledging that you know their conditions. A lot of them were low-paid workers, insecure labour, insecure hours, you know, no security of tenure in homes, uh, a, a house building programme that was meaning the kids were not leaving home early enough for some. Um, you know, we addressed those concerns and, um, you know, that's why I think they came our way because they, you know, they were being listened to and heard and if we can continue doing that in the next parliament, whenever that general election comes, I think we're in much better shape now. The Conservative Party are obviously entering this deal with the DUP. There's a sort of theory now they're going to govern, not legislate, and their things might be pushed by the wayside. I know Leveson is something which you've been sort of keen to, to push forward. I mean, are, are you scared that these Leveson proposals are going to get well, we, tossed one to thing, One thing people should be in no doubt about is that the proposals for the second part of the Leveson inquiry uh, you know, are still on. 
right? The, the government, the Conservative Party, did not get a mandate to drop the second stage of Leveson. They put it in their manifesto, but that was rejected. Now, leading members of the DUP were in favour of the Leveson inquiry as well. So I think there is potentially a majority of voters in Parliament that support the second process of Leveson. And we are going to be pressing very hard, Karen Bradley, to make sure that uh, that commitment made by David Cameron in a solemn promise to those families that uh, were affected by uh, phone hacking, that they, they honour that agreement. There's no mandate to drop Leveson 2, and we're going to be on this day in, day out in the chamber. Obviously, you've raised concerns about Michael Gove going back into the cabinet. Yes. Uh, well, there are two reasons I was concerned about that. Uh, firstly, I'm not entirely sure whether Michael Gove is going to inject this new spirit of harmony into public discourse. Uh, but secondly, um, you know, we want to know whether he's there because Rupert Murdoch personally lobbied the Prime Minister. Do you really believe there. that? Do you really believe that's a possibility? Well, there are a number of people who seriously believe that that is the case, and I am waiting for the Prime Minister to tell me when she last met Rupert Murdoch and confirm or deny whether he had a conversation with her about Michael Gove's uh, uh, future in the cabinet and Michael Gove was asked about this on TV the other day and he gave a very glib answer but didn't actually answer the question and uh, you know let's see when the Prime Minister writes back to me on that one. And just finally on, on the press obviously Jeremy and the Labour Party was subject to a lot of attacks, a lot of negative coverage in certain sections of the media. Do you think that the result shows that either those media outlets are not as powerful as they think they are or they were never that powerful anyway. How do you read that? Again, I think we need to look at this in some detail. But the, again, the impression I get from it was the attacks on Jeremy were genuinely worse than I've ever seen before. And you know what? I've said that in the last few elections now. It seems to get more hysterical as the elections go on. And in the last two elections, I've also been told, do you think this was a social media election? Uh, and actually I've been quite contrarian and said no I don't think it was because uh, I still think mainstream media call the shots on um, the agendas set by politicians actually in this election I do think it was a social media election and I think we did see new media uh, either diluting the impact of hysterical headlines particularly in the Daily Mail uh, rebutting stories that were either made up or very you know as close to inaccurate as you could get without being criticised by your peers um, and uh, that changed uh, and, and what this election showed, you remember at the start Theresa May wanted to very closely define the terms of what this election would be about a mandate on her leadership and, a, and an election on Brexit and the voters just said we're not having that we're taking this back and this whole debate was on you know, throughout the, everywhere I went colleagues reported to me that they were having doorstep conversations they'd never had before from how do you regulate mini motorbikes to defence to, to security to transport infrastructure quality of life how do young people lay down routes housing detailed housing questions it was it was a it was a sort of jamboree of questions and ideas that people were given and i think that's because social media took the election away from uh, fr from the sort of politicians and the commentariat Excellent. That's great, Tom. Thanks very much. Okay.